Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day of your life. I'm your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist. I'm also a keynote and TEDx talker, and I am the author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information about all things related to wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology, and rejuvenating. As listeners of my podcast know, most of our episodes feature a really interesting and informative guest who leads his or her own life enthusiastically and has something to major to contribute to the way that we lead our lives wherever we are in in the lifespan. Today's guest is really special. I don't know how many of you have heard about the book, The Wealthy Gardener. When I first heard about it, I thought, geez, this is somebody who I need to get on the podcast because probably uh, dovetails a lot with what we do, that he's probably going to tell us, you know, how to save money and become wealthy by growing our own food. So it was a bit of a surprise to me to, to hear that and read that it's something other than that, but something that's very important to all of us as we pursue our own lives with enthusiasm and hopefully the next generation's lives with enthusiasm. Dr. John Sephoric was once a chiropractor and uh, like a lot of people who went through medical and professional schools, he had $200,000 in student debt and probably even acquire more debt nowadays in in some of the schools. So he retired at age 49 with a retirement income of $240,000 a year. Now that's not savings, that's income, $240,000. So how do you get from student debt to retirement income of $240,000? He then wrote a book for his son in college and called it The Wealthy Gardener, Lessons on Prosperity Between Father and Son. The book became an Amazon bestseller. It hit number 46 worldwide on Audible and has been translated into six languages and influenced countless number of people in the area of personal finance. So it is with great pleasure and a real honor to welcome John Sephoric, John, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Doc, thanks for having me, man. It's it's a pleasure to be here, and it's an honor to be speaking with you, so thank you. Pleasure is ours, and let me start with the title, The Wealthy Gardener. Uh, Now that I've become familiar with it, uh, I see that I had a misperception, and I know the title makes perfect sense, but... uh, it doesn't make perfect intuitive sense. So let me let me ask you about that. 
Oh God, isn't that isn't that funny? So the the initial title of the Wealthy Gardener, you don't even know what the book's about, which tells you something about my ability to make titles, right? It's funny, Ron, because sometimes I've even seen these people that on my uh, on the reviews. They say, "I thought I was buying a gardening book," you know, so a gardener, and they go they get into this uh, book, they then write this praising review about. Oh my God, personal finance, which the two don't normally intersect, right? <laughs> and so it's funny how I've been able to snare these gardeners into personal finance through this <laughs> misnamed ambiguous title that I thought, well, of course people would know what this means. <laughs> it tells you how little I do know. What's the what's the um what the title really about? You know, the title of the garden has always been a timeless metaphor in life. And that's what I was after. Throughout history, we've used the garden as a metaphor for our time on this earth. We sow what we reap. Uh, we, we reap what we sow. We have a certain amount of time on this earth. And it's what we do with that time that de- determines the shape of our land. And so I was always attracted to that metaphor. It goes back through the ages. So I wanted to stick to a garden to represent a, a more of a, uh, a metaphor about life. Wealth. In this book, I wanted a book on money, okay? Not a book, and don't get me wrong, you're not going to hear anything about about magnanimous dreams of wealth and and beautiful houses and opulence. I don't care if that's what turns you on. If, If that's what turns you on, get it. But that's not what this book is about. This book is about wealth in a whole lot of other ways. And it was really important for me that even though you talk about the income and so forth in the introduction, I know why, you know, we're bringing that up. It, it's it's to tell a reader, well, maybe this guy might have something worth listening to if he was able to attain that amount. That said, please, let's start this with this discussion, understanding that we all get to choose and we all should choose and we get to know when enough is enough when it comes to wealth. That's huge for me. So I only bring up those numbers to say that, Listen, man, I climbed a pretty high mountain myself. Maybe I learned something along the way. That's all. Okay, that's that's great explanation. I guess the that leads to the question, though, of if it's a personal finance book, there are tons, thousands, millions of them out there that where the author is speaking to me or writing to me as a reader. This is kind of a unique perspective of bringing your son into the the situation. I'm kind of wondering how that came about and what the process was of doing it that way. Well, sure. I, I've read all those books and people who have an interest in, in bettering their lives and upward mobility. Uh, they certainly have browsed the aisles at a Barnes and Noble or at Amazon and you know, Ron, I, I was speaking to my son. Uh, this this all came about because, you know, me, I graduated. <laughs> I call it graduating from the workforce, from chiropractic. I pulled back. And during that same time, my son was in college. Okay, so um, it was just an attempt between he and I initially. You know, uh, that was my motivation. Uh, I'm very clear on that, that I wanted to educate him in the ways that worked for me. So... I have read all those books you speak of. I have read, and you know, they're kind of like a mix between a cookbook and a math book. The challenge with uh, the personal finance books for 99% of them is that they're difficult to get through. Even people like me who have an interest in this subject find it difficult to read from the start to the finish of those books. 
Can you imagine sitting down with your own kids and saying, listen, I want to talk to you about about it's about 100 lessons of dry, dry instruction with you about about my life and what went into it. Man, I don't have a chance. This this was a book for me to engage my son, for us to to work together. You know, and if, if the subtitle is Life Lessons on Prosperity Between Father and Son. And so this was a collaborative effort where it was between us. I would send him a chapter. He would send me remarks back. We would kind of debate things. It was a really enriching time of our lives. But boy, I tell you what, if I couldn't engage him, any parent knows, I think it's difficult for a child to listen to any kind of life lessons from the uh, parent. So that was me. I was just trying to engage. And then... I guess it engaged others after it was done with him. Well, being the father of two adult sons, uh, I'm really impressed by the fact that you have been able to engage him at that point in your life. I, I think when kids are, are really young and when they get to be adults, uh, they may be able to uh, appreciate you more. Uh, but that's a challenging age to have a, a child commit himself to your project or make it one that he has ownership in. Well, yeah, you're the psychologist. You know, you know the challenges I'm going through far more than I do as far as that. I, so I, I, I figured that I would try every uh, tool in my arsenal run. I, I, had to, I had to engage him. And I honestly, I, I wanted this to be collaborative. And so I said, hey, Mike, how about we go through this process and you can be my editor? Well, maybe that lands a little differently than me preaching to you, right? And so you might call that a very clever uh, trickery. And I guess us parents, we need every trick we can get in the book. But uh, he was a good, I mean, he's, he's the type who wants this kind of things. We've always shared ideas. And for he and I to, to talk this way, it takes a unique individual. He was receptive to considering what I have to say. I didn't ask him to swallow anything. I asked him to consider it and fight back. I don't care, you know, but here's my lessons that I've learned, pal, and you're just getting started. So that was my goal. You know, that's, that's really impressive, but I don't want to skip a step. I, I do know a number of chiropractors and uh, I don't think many of them are going to retire with an income of $240,000 a year in retirement did you work 20 hours a day to get there? Or, uh, you know, did uh, you inherit somebody's great practice? Or th there's got to be some step between $200,000 in debt and being so debt-free that you can retire at age 49. Well, there's no question. That's the, Those were the years of, of supreme clarity, I would call it. If you've ever read, read the uh, book Essentialism, you ever know somebody that's gone to college, let's say, for to go back to get an MBA and you examine their life, what that looks like is they have a job. They're going to school on top of the job. They're doing the best they can and their, their life looks pretty full. It's very focused. It looks like that. I would say that when I'm 30 and I set the goal between by the time I get to 50, uh, there's no question, Ron, you have to go through this this process where you have to supply your family with, with the livelihood. That's A. B, you have to put that leisure to use. No, not 20 hours. But, you know, I think we have two hours in every day that we're maybe not using too well beyond our livelihood. 
I started educating myself in different options. You I mean you can't, you're nowhere without education. So I started educating myself on my options and I found I thought maybe real estate might be a, an option for me. The weekends, heck, I was doing I was spending my weekends doing really nothing of importance. I was busy all the time, but really not doing anything consequential. One of the, the things about the book is that you have to sacrifice in life. So if you want to move ahead, I mean, complacency doesn't require sacrifice, but if you want to change things from A to B, you have to learn how to control the spending of your time and let's not downplay the spending of your money. Ron, one of the things that I think is always underrated when I get this question is that is the fact that despite my income going up, 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 up over the years, I never stopped living like that guy who was 30 years old and probably spending on a family about 70000 a year. Now, that's unusual. Most people will come up and they'll match their income and their income rises and so does their spending. Don't overlook at that thing. Like that's that's so simple. It's, just, it's within everybody's power to have increased wages, increased income, but not increasing the expenses. This isn't rocket science. Uh, so yeah, I, I did have to do. I did have to spend. I did have to be frugal. I had to. I had to be, uh, learn detachment and and suck it up a little bit when other people were getting nicer things than me, more luxury than me. I also had to suck it up when I'm inside of a, a duplex and I'm I'm kind of working with a team of contractors on a Saturday when, while my buddies are out golfing. So yeah, control of time and money. Sure, my avenue became chiropractic. Uh, I mean, my avenue was chiropractic, but then it became real estate, and then it became flipping and renting. And so it evolves, you know, you can't see the end from the very first step. That's for sure. But sometimes you take that first step and you see if you like it, you see if you want to go down that path. And that's what I did. And one thing leads to another and you gain increasing power if you do things right. And it works going forward, but it's all about focus. My focus was just different than my classmates every day of my life. I really believe that starts right there. So it takes a vision and discipline, it looked like, in terms of you weren't just doing this stuff, but you were doing it with a particular goal in mind. And uh, so in general, I mean, not everybody uh, is into real estate or flipping houses or so on. And I know uh, your book isn't totally about that in in any way, but I'm wondering if you could share with listeners some of the general principles that you know the uh that the wealthy gardener kind of keeps in mind you know in order to achieve and and uh maintain wealth sure and some of these things will fly in the face of the books that are produced by the big publishers i feel lucky that i I went into a book self-published before it was bought by penguin because at that point i have autonomy I can write what I have found to be true. I'm not trying to please. I'm not, I'm not trying to be vanilla. So some of the things uh, I, I wanted to tell my son are the harsher truths of this world. What I found to be true, at least, was that it's okay to think about money when you're choosing a vocation. It seems to be such a, such a challenge these days because everybody wants to just clump you know, their vocation into passion only. And I always say that, okay, nothing wrong with that. But it's kind of a simplistic notion to think that there's a one-dimensional decision. Just do what I love. 
that's important to follow your your kind of you know, things that interest you. You know, a math person can go into math professions, but it's just one aspect. Another aspect of a profession is what kind of livelihood does that produce for me and my family? That's a big one. Do I like working with people, working outside, uh, inside or outside? There's so many facets to go into a livelihood. And this passion is one of them. But so too is earning capacity. Don't forget that. It's going to determine whether you can put your kids through college or not. Things like that, Ron, were so important for me. It was so important for me to talk to him about the spending of time. Impact hours is a term in my book that probably gets the most mentioned. An impact hour is 60 minutes of doing the right things to move you forward to a goal. You talk about discipline. I can tell you that the world saw discipline, but what I saw was my why. Like, why was I doing this? And what? And how does that translate into action? You know, you those, those ideas that you have, those goals that you have, if you can't see me, if you can't see what I'm after through my actions, I'm just talking, brother. There's nothing to say about this. We're just talking. You should be able to predict my goals by watching my eyes, physicality. And I need him to understand that sitting in front of Netflix might be a tension-relieving activity. But man, lives are wasted with those kind of activities. And so sometimes you have to choose education over tension-relieving activities that get you nowhere. And so the use of time. And man, I'll tell you, there's something. If I, need, if I needed him to swallow the idea of sacrifice and spending and frugality, I don't know where those, those principles of the old days went. But they're real, and you'll, you'll have an easier life if you choose those paths. Not, not harder. It's going to be easier for you. You'll get ahead. You'll have a sense of elation. You talk about enthusiasm. You know, enthusiasm is direction to me, and, and for a lot of people. I could tell you that whenever we feel trapped, we can get demoralized and hopeless. I was there. And so for me, I don't want to take this uh, stand that I'm some virtuous person who had just tremendous discipline, which a lot of people will say this. I just had a very clear understanding of, of what would make my life better. And that understanding came from a lot of suffering, I think, in my 20s, because I knew the pain and suffering of not knowing how to pay for a pizza on a Saturday night during the middle of it all. When you go through those times, man, <laughs> you just want to have some air to breathe and money can do that for you. It's really, really, really informative. But as you're talking, this uh, I was thinking this doesn't really occur in a vacuum that there's a family involved that, you know, I understand it's different when your son is in college and in the 20s and, and able to process this and may have an interest in it. But you've got a family living in a community, presumably, where not everybody has the same principles and not everybody is delaying gratifications. How difficult was it to get your family to buy in and how important is it that that happened? So my particular situation is that my wife stayed home with the kids. And so I would say this, I didn't leave that to chance, whether or not my family were, they, they were going to be part of my team. I could see very easily that if done wrong, I don't care what you're after in life. Uh, if, you, if you're going back to school to change your career, 
if you are just getting a degree on top of your career to change your course a little bit. Those kind of things take sacrifice. You got to sit down with the family. We got to get on board here. It's almost like you're going to war. Like if you look at the armed services, we got to get on board and we have to have the support. And we don't just have to demand that support because that's not going to work. I think to me, Ron, I can speak from experience that it worked best for me when I sat down with my family and explained to them how in chiropractic, the challenge was is that despite dwindling insurance, okay, it's getting worse every year. And this is the worst year I've ever had with insurance reimbursement. Despite this being my worst year yet, it's going to be the best year I have for the rest of my life because it's getting worse every month, every year. They're always shrinking the payment, medical and professionals. That's really a dangerous, perilous path. Well, they understand that. They don't want that for me nor for them. How about if I get down and I talked about my kids? You know, maybe I can just make enough money. Maybe I'm able to sacrifice in order to pay for their college education so they can come out without that financial burden of 200,000 plus in today's dollars that I came out with. Well, how about they get behind that? But that all comes from communication. Nobody would understand that more than a person from your profession. My kids saw me cry because I was scared at times, man. I had some serious challenges. My wife knew my fears and my dreams for us. And we talked about that. So I say your family is a lot more willing to help you, a lot more willing to stand behind you. Your family wants you to win. But you know what? You got to communicate authentically, man. And sometimes drop the ego and say, guys, this is where my life is going. If I don't do this, let's talk about that path. And then, yeah, there's some sacrifice over here. It's not going to be everything, but yes, it's going to be sacrifice. I'm going to show you how to sacrifice. I'm not going to tell you everything in this world is going to be possible for you. I'm going to show you what hard work does. That's all I can do. And for me, strategic hard work, well-planned hard work, mission-driven hard work is part of a family mission. It aided them too, and they supported me the whole way around, but it didn't happen by chance. Certainly, John, your book sales reflect the fact that you aren't unique in terms of uh, having those kinds of issues or having had those kinds of issues. But I can imagine some listeners are listening in and saying, this probably works or fits if you don't like your job or you don't like aspects of it, like the paperwork or the insurance, uh, uh, filling out forms and stuff like that. But you know, what about somebody who's in a career that they like, they enjoy? I, I can cite myself and some of my colleagues uh, who teach in universities as examples, you know, who and continue to do so until later years in life. How important is it or how necessary is it? Or do the same rules apply if you like your job and really kind of expect to keep doing it as long as you can. Same rules apply, Ron. I mean, one of the reasons that I, I wrote this was uh, because I, I feel repulsed by a lot of the financial books in the market, like mine, that would say, get fi- go for financial freedom. Because, and then they'll dot, 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 they'll disparage the idea of a nine to five job. Like it's hell on earth, it's a trap, 
it's the rat race. It's it's just above broke. You'll feel all all these kind of pain points put out about a job as if it's the lowest moral moralistic thing you could possibly do is have a job in this world. You're you're just a trapped animal. I don't believe it, man. In fact, I'll tell you, anybody listening to this, once you get to the point of having choices, once you get to the point of having freedom, that's a whole new game. And you're going to find that you're looking for meaning again. Nonetheless, you always want meaning. So a person who finds meaning while they're doing this, man, that's called, that's just called the everything. So now you, you don't have to think about the dollar anymore. And you have that meaning in your life. I love the idea of being in a school teacher with maybe maybe $2,000 of residual, maybe $500 of residual income. You get to set the number and then you get to work for whatever you want. But I think all of us, every one of us, we all have a household income. You do, I do, my kids do. Wouldn't we be a little happier with just a little bit of margin coming into us? And so for those who want to, like me, (laughs) who felt like I was suffocating from the financial pressures of life, I can tell you that some of the things that matter the most to me at this stage of the game is I got to write a book for my son. I couldn't do that. That took me 50 hours a week for three years. I get to go for a walk with my dog on a Monday afternoon. That is priceless. I get to exercise now. You talk, you know, your whole rejuvenate. I get to exercise with unlimited time constraints. You know, I I go an hour a day now. I couldn't do that before. I get to cut out caffeine because I'm not pushing it with my pedal down anymore, which gets me better sleep at night. These are the things that can happen if you have a margin in life and you're just not chasing that dollar to survive. So I say more power to you, man. If you got meaning, God, stay there. Nothing wrong with getting a little cushion financially while you're while you also have that meaningful job, though. Yeah, that's great advice, John. And uh, it almost seems paradoxical, but the more that you pay attention to the finances, the less you'll have to worry about it over time. So People avoid finances, Ron. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I'm not one of them, man. I, you know, there's a saying that. Uh, Money is the problem and money is the cure. All right. It's <laughs> it's so true. So it's nothing great about me. I just had a, 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 I guess, an inclination to fix the money problem, put my finger on that so that then I can think about bigger things in life. And I didn't have to spend my time being so consumed about money. That's all I wanted. So how do you spend your time nowadays? I know you, you talked about having the freedom to do the various things uh, that, you know, promote health and sure. enjoyment and so on. But in general, how does, uh, how does the wealthy gardener spend his time? Well, after I wrote the book, I, you know, went through the process of, of uh, publishing it through Pub, uh, Penguin, all of that. They, they came after me and found me and I said yes to that. That gave me some duties for a while and that's all over. But now it's more like uh, I still have a priority list every day. Today's priority list is talking to you, plus two other things that I have to do. I'm writing another book called The Wealth Essentials, which is basically an action manual to be free in five years, which is just the next step of this book, which readers have asked for. And I didn't want to write, but okay, I'm going to try again. And also I get to read, Ron. I mean, think about it. What, What gives meaning to your days? What do you do in the weekends? 
I never had time to read, man. I never had, I, I, I'm a reader. You know, I, I've read more than most people throughout life, but I'd never had time to sit down for two to three hours a day and read. Now I do. Okay. Two to three hours a day to read. I promise you I do that. I also will exercise. If you exercise an hour a day, you might as well cross off two hours. Okay. Because it takes you, t- you can't just like zap yourself in a time frame to get there and get out and start working again. So that's two hours. Now you're, you're going to eat, right? You're going to do things. You're going to live. In addition to that, I do have meaning because I, we're starting a book review. It's going to be the wealthy garden, uh, the wealthy book reviews. So we go after good books and we shed light on good authors. I'm excited about that. What Benjamin Franklin used to call it philosophical musings. It's, it's really cool to be at the stage where you can do that if you want. And, and keep in mind, I still have 110 rental business that I oversee and, and, and manage. So that's not exactly nothing, you know, so I have, I have full days. Yeah, interesting. And it's really interesting that people who tend to focus on or, or who tend to be comfortable with their wealth do a lot of reading. You see, the, you hear the same things about Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and stuff like that. For those of us who, you know, try to fit in uh, reading into our schedule um it's really interesting that as soon as somebody wealthy gets time in many cases one of the first uses that they they have for it well without a doubt ron i mean all my life i'm not talking from not living that life you know keep in mind my grandfather was a coal miner i come i come from western pennsylvania there's no spoon in my mouth here so i came from the life of that where you're struggling and you're working and the time you have a by the time you actually do can open up that book, your eyelids close at the same time the book opens because you're so tired. You're reading a book one chapter at a time between sleep at night. And so, yeah, I've been there. A blessing, a total blessing to be able to have that time to devote to learning. I love it. I love it. And, you know, it makes you a better person. And maybe you can pass along the insights to friends. I'm always telling my friends, you got to get this book. You got to get this book. You got to Problem is, I'm 55. My friends are all working. They're like you. Like nobody has time to, to read all these books. You know, I, I I'm like going through two books a week. And like like you gotta read this, the paradigm of choice. You gotta read this book. They're like, okay, look, I'm on the third book you gave me last month. I'm I'm I'm, I'm done. My on deck schedule is full. So quit talking to me about books. And so I started I started uh, talking about having a book a uh, book review club. And I think <laughs> that'll give me something to do with it all because there's some great authors out there, there and I want to shine some light on them. Great. That's terrific. I can see the applicability to it to your sons or people who are your son's age. What about people who, raise, who might raise the question, you know, I'm considerably older. Uh, is there such a thing as being too old to apply these principles or after you've passed a certain point in the the work cycle or retirement or whatever is uh is there meaning in what you wrote for them too it's, it's a concern that i have um i didn't expect a reaction i didn't expect but i have seen uh, since the publication of my book is that a lot of people who praise it are older a lot of people you know there's a diverse group of people that this would apply to and almost universally, uh, among the 55 and up crowd, this is my gang, you'll say, boy, they'll say, man, I wish I had this book sooner in my life. And you know, they mean that as a compliment, Ron, and, and it just gives me a sense of sadness. Uh, they don't seem to understand uh, that the principles 
that I tried to include in this book aren't just about money. I would say that the, most people who read this book will say that it's not necessarily about money. Is there timeless principles on how to potentially live uh, your best life, whatever you choose that to be? Now, we all have a desire for our lives, and hopefully we get to the point through trial and error or through thinking that we can figure out the things we want in this life. But still then, it comes the point in time when the rubber meets the road, and we have to be effective. Our intention has to translate into execution. This is that book. Hopefully, it'll indoctrinate people to get to move into execution to pursue whatever that is that they want. It's about that, the actualization of your fullest potential. And I know that's been written forever, but I, but I try to write my story plus a fictional story that would give people the experience of what it is like to win so that maybe then it's more internalized so that, so that when they go through this process, just like when I read biographies, I'll go through a process and I'll say, you know, I recall this, you know, Andrew Carnegie went through this very thing, or Charles Schwab did this. I, I remember this. And so it gives people a, a lesson through a story, teaching in parables. My hope was that my son would get the parables. He would get the lessons himself. He'd figure it out. And just maybe an older person then can find value in that. Then my son dead. Look at you. You're pumping out. You're, you're teaching. You're 83. I admire where you are. I hope to be where you are at that age. It's not about the money. You're, you got what I want. You're, do, you're engaged and you're doing the things that matter to you. Well, guess what, guys? That's all it's about when it's all over. It's said and done. We're going to spend our time one way or the other. And, and that's the dash in our life. God, I want to be like Ron, as opposed to like somebody who retires and doesn't know what to do because they never built up any kind of other interest. And they're, and they're sitting around as a pathetic retiree because they never figured out how to live beyond work. Now, look at you. That's what I want. Yeah, older people. God, please, please don't, don't even think that. I get frustrated and don't tell me that you wish you had this book. Really, you got the book now and you're not dead. That's what I say. Well, thanks for the compliments. I think so much of what we do, what both of us do, dovetails so much that having money, uh, having health, which, you know, that, that doesn't happen accidentally either. You have to work on it, keeping the mind active and so on. I mean, it's enabled, uh, I mean, I can certainly vouch for the fact it's enabled me and my wife and I to travel internationally. It's enabled us to, you know, enjoy helping our children and grandchildren. And, you know, so I mean, I, I just think that it's really important at any stage in life, particularly if you've neglected any part of the, the total development to really get started. And I think your book is an excellent place to start. But also there's, you, you do very generously share a lot of other things about yourself, your journey. And uh, so while we're getting, uh, unfortunately, we're running late, as usually happens when I have an interesting guest. But I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your product, your products, your uh, website, stuff that, that people can start in addition to your book. And I'm going to ask about where they can get the book too. But what else have you got going for you that, uh, that you're sharing with others? 
So that's what's a little unique about me, Ron. I mean, I, I approached this whole thing without one follower when it all started. My follower was my son. It's me and him. I was in the real world working. I, I come from a family that had to work our way up. So whenever I'm 50 years old, I'm writing a book for my son. We finally decided to put it out there. That was not an easy decision because there is so much personal information in there. And I wanted a book. If I'm going to help anybody, my son or anybody else, I have to bear my soul. Okay. I have to tell you that I have to tell you that there are times in my life when I close my eyes and I, I, I just focus so intensely on a goal that I do my best to build my faith and God, let's just see what happens from that. And I do believe in coincidences and strange things that can happen in your life that can aid it. I want to support those kind of things. I want to support the idea that if you do it right, faith matters. And I'm talking about faith and goals and certitude and conviction, those kind of things. To answer your question, I don't have a whole lot selling. Uh, I'm not a salesman. That's not, that's not the deal. That's not what I got into this thing for. And so now I'm kind of scrambling. I wrote a book, right? I think that I'm not looking to sell, but now I, th I think that I'm going to get into process. You know, the wealthygardener.com is where I am. The Wealth Book Reviews is going to be a, a weekly book review. That's not making any money. There's nothing to sell. I just offered something at the end of my run, brother. And uh, I handed the baton to my son, to anybody else. And, and I really stood up for old time values, I think, as much as anything. Just get back to the old school. Let's, let's support that. And... I got nothing, Ron. I have nothing to sell. Sorry. Well, you do have a book. And uh, is it on Amazon or how do how do people get to yeah, it? And in what formats are, is it available? Hardback, ebook, and audio book. If I can say this, if there's any listeners out there that do like audio books, I'll tell this story briefly because I searched for the right narrator. It was really important to me to get the right person. Guy's name was Dennis. And uh, Dennis, he was found in uh, California. I called Dennis up. He's got this British accent. It sounded like a wise voice for the wealthy gardener. He, he did such an exceptional job on that audiobook that if you check out the audiobook reviews, it's 5.0 right across the board. I mean, there's just nothing else. So he crushed it. He got the soul of the wealthy gardener and told the tale so well that even when it was bought by Portfolio, and they paid, they paid us a pretty hefty advance, they didn't change one word. They wouldn't change the audio because they didn't want to mix up the music. Dennis nailed it. When he was starting this thing, he said, you know, John, every every audio, every book has, it's like a song. And it's up to me to find the song as I read. I don't like to know too much about it. And I said, all right, Dennis, that's fine. But understand this. If it's a song, I want you to understand. That, I know it sounds like a money book. It's a love song. I want you to get that. It, it's a book of heart. It was written for my son. Well, Dennis comes back when it's over. He says, you know, John, I get it. He goes, because I broke down three times crying during the narration of the audiobook. And I just want to thank, <laughs> he's just a big soul. And, and the audiobook is just a different beast. That thing just doesn't not please. But if you don't, if you don't uh, get that, it certainly is available in hardback and it's available everywhere. I mean, it's available in seven different languages. So yeah, the Barnes and Nobles, the, it's sitting on the shelves right now. It's everywhere. Well, that may be a, a first, a, a narrator breaking down while 
doing the uh, the narration of a personal finance book. I get it a lot, Ron. I have a, I have reviewers behind the scenes sending me emails, tough guys, and they they won't they don't want that review out there because that's kind of personal. It's like tell people, and they won't. It's, it's, but that is the greatest honor, greatest honor when you when you reach their heart. Well, speaking of honors, it's been a real honor to have you on our show. Our listeners will really appreciate all the things that you have to say. Do you have a website or any place where they can keep up with what you're going to be doing? Or You know, WealthyGardener.com gets you over to me, and that gets you on the book reviews where uh, I can say this, and I apologize for not reading your book already. I'm getting your book. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be looking at that uh, in the in the. Boy, I'll tell you what, somebody 83 years old doing what you do, you've got my interest. So I'm, so I'm going to read what you have to say. And that's the great thing about a book. It's, there's no better investment of time and money than a good book. You know, it's, it's you talking to somebody for 10 hours. That's what I say about the book reviews. You know, that's, that's why I try to shed a light on great authors. Again, I think you've changed a lot of people's ideas about money and about some people who consider money to be very important because you've really humanized money. And I guess the process of doing it with your son was part of what made it so human, as well as the fact that the title was not not too typical either. It was, uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation, John. I uh, really look forward to seeing your additional work. We'll have uh, the information that you uh, about contact and so on on our show notes and uh, look forward to seeing more from you as as time goes on and and utilizing some of the principles that you've identified so uh this has been rejuvenating with dr ron kaiser our special guest and very informative one today was john seforic dr john seforic uh with his particular spin on money and how it can be a really humanizing kind of thing for us that enables freedom and so on. I hope that you will download, subscribe, rate their podcast. And of course, please visit the website, thementalhealthgym.com. And if there are a few of you out there besides John who haven't gotten to read Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. It's also available in different formats on Amazon. Look forward to having you read it and letting me know what you think about it. So hopefully we can incorporate all the things that we learned today. There's, you know, a ton of additional information in the book and Needless to say, I strongly recommend it. John, you've been a terrific guest. Thanks very much and best of luck to you. And for everybody else, stay safe and keep living your life enthusiastically. This is Dr. Ron Kaiser signing off.